aboard another episode of a show to be named later. It is June 14th, 2018, the World Cup starting today. Do we care? Does it matter? I don't know. I'm much more interested in the 2026 World Cup that is going to be here than I am in this year's World Cup without the U.S. in it. I've got an idea for a segment that I'm going to need some help on. I'll tell you about that at the end. We'll have Stephen Bailey joining us on the podcast to talk about these new college football rule changes and how they may affect Syracuse. But I want to start with some NBA talk. And the parades for the Golden State Warriors and Washington Capitals were on the same day earlier this week. And we saw both these teams continue their celebrations because it really is a continuation for both as, you know, they they never kind of ended. Until it got awkward. Right, until the focus changed. And for the for the Capitals, that hasn't happened yet. Right? Like we haven't paid attention to the fact that their coach is a lame duck on an expiring contract. We haven't paid attention to that part of it yet because they're celebrating and they're busy and they're happy and they're they're just exploding with joy. But we got some of that awkwardness with the Warriors on parade day. And boy, was it awkward. When you think of being the executive of the year, I always wondered, how do you draft these guys? How do you find these guys? How do you put this team together and work so well with Steve? And then I heard you tell Kevin Durant he can have whatever contract he wants next year. Yeah, that was just for the media. He can't have anything <laughs> like that at all. Mid-level. Yeah, <laughs> mid-level, behind closed doors. It's because I think story. last year he told Steph he could have any contract he wants, too. Yeah. So Well, yeah, that was different. He, well, he's, he's been here from the run, you know, the way before days. He's earned it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there ended the Warriors' cohesion right there. So you can kind of hear, right? Everybody notices that awkward statement. That Bob Myers made. And it's making fun of Kevin Durant, obviously. And it's understandable, right? He's the easy guy to pick on. He's the one who signed there as a free agent after they won 73 games. But isn't there some of that? And isn't some of the reason why this this joke hit a little too close to home? Uh, you know, is, isn't it a little too spot on? Right? Like, didn't it get awkward because it's a, it's a little too accurate? Like, oh, yeah. Steph Curry is the backbone of that team. Oh, yeah. Steph Curry did go through when the Warriors were terrible. Oh, yeah. Steph Curry was there when they won that first title, when Mark Jackson was coaching, when Steve Kerr took over. Oh, right. That all happened. And Kevin Durant just kind of came in in the middle. You know, I think some of this was actually funny. Like, I, th- I think that the comment was really made in jest. Like, it, it's obvious. And, and let's just uh, dissect this a little bit more. You have Bob Fitzgerald, who's the, the Warriors TV announcer, up there acting as the MC and, and hosting the ceremony, you know, at whatever end of the parade route. And he starts off by asking Steve Kerr and Bob Myers a question. It's very simple. When you think of being the executive of the year, I always wondered, how do you draft these guys? How do you find these guys? How do you put this team together and work so well with Steve? And then I heard you tell Kevin Durant he can have whatever contract he wants next year. Yeah, that was just for the media. He can't have anything <laughs> like that at all. Mid-level. Yeah, mid-level. Stop it there. Stop it there. That is funny, right? Like, like that is a legitimately funny comment. 
Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the world, one of the greatest basketball players we've seen, right? One of the great scorers that we've seen in the NBA. He can't have anything he wants. He's not able to get that. He only gets the mid-level. He gets his $8 million or, or whatever it may be, right? Like, he, he can't get his money. He can't get paid. That's legitimately funny. That's an actual joke, right? And, and you kind of heard it. Everybody's kind of laughing. They're goofing. They're having a good time. The part where it gets awkward and the part where it hits a little bit too close is this end part. Yeah, that was different. He, he's, he's been here from the run, you know, the way before days. He's earned it. <laughs> cohesion right there and so bob fitzgerald tries to make light of it and and joke a little bit more but that comment by bob myers is legitimately awkward right like that's legitimately an awkward comment to make and i'm not saying that it was the wrong comment to make you know he's he's obviously trying to joke around and yeah there is a difference between steph curry and kevin durant but maybe that's why you don't make the joke Right? Like, maybe that's why you don't make that comment. Maybe that's why you don't cross that line. Because everybody knows that there's a difference between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and what they mean to the Warriors and what they've done and how they fit in that franchise's puzzle. Everybody knows that. They don't need you to tell them. I just find it funny that this happens on parade day. That the tide turns so quickly. And maybe it's because they've won three in four years. Maybe it's because they've won back-to-back titles. But don't you get the feeling that the Warriors are kind of over all of this? Like, did you see them after the championship, after they won in Cleveland? Like, yeah, there was a lot of champagne. Yeah, they were dumping it all over people. And it's a it's a challenge, and it's a, a road. But it, it kind of looked like they were they were, like, relieved. That they got it done, right? At least on the court. Like, all right, we did it again. Good job, guys. We did what we were supposed to do. Kind of a thing. And now there's just this parade, and Steve Kerr and Bob Myers are just casual and chilling and letting their guard down maybe a little bit too much. And you end up making some awkward comment about Kevin Durant. And, like, maybe it wasn't the best thing to say. But you went ahead and did it anyway. Because you wanted the laughs. And I get it. And look, Kevin Durant said he's going to opt in. Kevin Durant said he's he's sticking around in Golden State. So I guess it's not exactly a concern for Bob Myers right now. It's not exactly a concern for the Warriors, for Steve Kerr, that Kevin Durant's going anywhere. But like, maybe don't make that joke. Right? Don't make that joke about that guy. About that guy who, you know, has kind of let it be known that he is uh, concerned about how he fit in. Was concerned about how he fit in with the Warriors, right? He's a guy who's who's self-conscious. We, we kind of know this about Kevin Durant. He cares about the public image. Maybe a little bit too much, but he cares about the public image. And whether that is going on Twitter and... Slap him back with some burner accounts or, you know, being concerned over what people will think of him going and joining the Warriors. We know that he's very, very concerned about how he's viewed. 
And I'm not saying it's the coach or the GM's job to coddle somebody or, or fully their job to coddle somebody, but in, in a way it is, right? In a way, it is Steve Kerr's job to say, hey, Kevin, you're great. Hey, Kevin, good job. Hey, Kevin, you're, you're here for a while. We want you here. We're happy with you. It's not really the GM's job to go make fun of him. It was just an awkward comment. I liked the joke. I appreciated the joke. I knew where it was coming from. But I think you could tell by the reaction to that second comment that it was more than a little bit awkward. All right, let's take a time out here to tell you to listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. Be caller 10 when prompted to call and you'll register for a UPS happy hour party for your office at Shaughnessy's Pub in the Marriott Syracuse downtown. You'll get to hang out with Daniel Baldwin, with Josh, with Polly, the crew from the Daniel Baldwin Show. This month's party is on June 22nd. So just listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show all summer long. Call in when prompted and register to win a happy hour party. It's brought to you by UPS and ESPN Syracuse. Now back to a show to be named later and Syracuse.com's Stephen Bale. As promised, we're joined now by Syracuse.com and post-standard Syracuse football beat writer Stephen Bailey here on the podcast. And and Stephen, a lot happening in, in this what is you know thought to be a dead time for college football. We're not quite at uh, media days yet, and we're not at summer practice yet. But uh, yesterday, a couple new rules coming out, and I, I thought one of them in particular was really interesting as it pertained to last year's Syracuse football season. Uh, but this new redshirt rule. Uh, where you're allowed to play up to four games and still redshirt without getting injured. What's this do in your mind to college football? What's this do, and what kind of an effect does it have? Because to me, it's it's a really interesting thing that that could change the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a pretty common sense rule for everyone involved. I don't think you're going to find a lot of people saying, hey, well, we don't like this. Um, Basically, it, it allows players to play in up to four games in a year and maintain their redshirt status. Uh, previously, the only ways to redshirt were not to play a single snap or to play four games or fewer and suffer a season-ending injury. Um, you know, and there are kind of some waivers you get around it, but this is this is going to change the way that young players are developed. And it's going to give teams, especially thinner teams, a chance to maybe spread some of the snap share around later in the season and not overuse their starters. Um, you know, looking at Syracuse, the first thing, you know, that I thought of was, man, this would have been great last year. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. You know, because they got Tommy DeVito, obviously a four-star quarterback who, who redshirted and who was working with, you know, the, uh, the offense as opposed to the scout team for, I think, the first nine or ten weeks, and then they bumped him down. Uh, so, you know, you, you wonder if, you know, he could have gotten in for a few games, you know, uh, you know, the FCS game early or, you know, maybe, you know, in a blowout here and there. And then, you know, just think about it, that changes the whole complexion. You know, what if he really does well, you know, uh, how does that affect the quarterback situation moving this year? And it, and it gives the coaching staff, uh, it gives the player experience, which is critical, but it gives the coaching staff film to work off of. It's not the same as practice and even scout, like, you know, to have live game reps, you know, that's where guys learn. Um, you know, look at other series guys like uh, Ifatu Malfan, who's a corner who's probably going to play this year. 
that would have been huge for him last year. You know, and there's, there's, you can go down the list on every team. There's going to be guys. Last year, I think for Syracuse with Devito would have been real important, but I think it'll be helpful this year too. I mean, you know, there are always injuries, uh, especially for a thinner team like Syracuse. You're going to be stretched, and just to have a few more options, and, and you know, to not risk losing, you know, one of the four years of 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 um, I guess playing eligibility. Uh, it's it's really helpful, and like I said, I, mean, I think this helps the little guy more than the big guy. But I think it helps everyone overall. You know, I don't think it hurts a bigger program so much that they are going to be strongly opposed to it. Yeah, you know, uh, Stephen, the the first thing I thought of uh, about Dungey actually was uh, about Devito actually was, wouldn't it be great if he could have played those last three games uh, after Eric Dungey got hurt? You know, and and he still would have been able to preserve the red shirt. Now, would he have played in too many games up to that point? I don't, I don't know, and and I don't think any of us know. But you know, the offense scored twenty four points over the last two weeks of the season. I, I, I mean, I'm sure they could have used Tommy Devito or at least gotten him some reps in those games. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's I'm on the I'm on the same page. You know, that would have been that would have been good for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's. it's it would have changed the complexion of uh, of everything potentially, um, and you know I'm I'm sure we're going to see similar situations across the nation this year where you know the, the freshman quarterback there's there's more and more trust to play those guys. Obviously, you saw uh, Tua and Nick Fromm uh, in the uh, in the championship game last year, and to, to think you know there's the, the risk of playing those guys is gone. Um, and you know, I think we're going to see more of those elite eleven guys get opportunities. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, the best of the best. There's not as much of a risk as you said. And uh, you know, obviously, the other thing that that jumped into my mind was uh, Pittsburgh in that game in the dome had to burn a kid's redshirt because he needed one snap at the end of the game. Uh, they're, they're what their freshman quarterback. Uh, I mean, that's that's absurd, right? That's that that's what goes into the common sense thing that you mentioned earlier. It doesn't make sense for him to lose a year of eligibility because he has to take that one snap. Doesn't help anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. just uh, that's just silly. That doesn't help anybody. Uh, you know, curious. Do you? You said yeah. I would imagine there are guys on this year's team. You know, could you? Is there a, a specific position for Syracuse that you think benefits the most of? You know, guys who normally would redshirt or aren't big enough or strong enough or picking up the playbook fast enough. Where hey, maybe we can get them in in. November, right? Thanksgiving weekend, that game. Maybe we can get them in uh, to that game knowing that they won't lose that extra year. Yeah, I mean, my initial guess would just be defensive line just because those guys wear down. Um, and, you know, they're Syracuse a little top-heavy there. Um, not so much as in recent years, but, you know, just to, to spell a guy a couple more times. And this comes down to the coaching staff, too. Syracuse's defensive coaching staff has not substituted much over the last two years. Like, I, I, I thought they overdid it last year, personally. I mean, the, the, they basically played four linebackers, and Zaire and Franklin and Paris Bennett were out there for pretty much every snap. And if you expose two guys at the end of the last two seasons, they're just, they just weren't the same. They absolutely wore down, as anybody would, you know. So, you know, you've got a few more options. You've got some options in the, in the secondary. Syracuse has been thin there. You know, like I said, uh, a Melifon last year uh, might have made some sense. Um, you know, looking kind of ahead to this year's team, defensive line, you know, you can, you can really get a guy in anywhere. I mean, if you've got a blowout, why not get someone snaps? Beat a quarterback, you know, even an offensive lineman, you know, whatever. You know, it's not, you don't have to worry about preserving that year. 
And, 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 you know, I think from the human perspective, it's really interesting, right? Like, you don't need to go tell a guy, hey, you know, you're going to scout your red shirt. And you say, hey, you know, we need to get on the scout team now, but remember, like, you know, you aren't burning this year necessarily. You know, we can play you at the end of the year, so keep working. You know, don't say, hey, you know, this is just a red shirt year and maybe not take it as seriously as one would. Um, you know, I think you, you may be able to keep guys engaged a little bit better. Um, so I, I, and I think that's something that, that benefits the whole program. The other thing that came out yesterday and the other rule change is, is this change on the transfer rules where uh, essentially what it means is that schools can't put limitations on where you're transferring, which I, I think, and, and I think you agree here, I, I mean, that makes all the sense in the world, and, and that's a great thing uh, for the athletes and, and something that shouldn't have been happening anyway. Uh, to me, especially in the grad transfer market, uh, that, that shouldn't have been happening, but I think a good thing overall, do you think this has a as big of an effect on a Syracuse or, or on college football in general, or, or is this kind of a, a lesser of the two rules? It's, um, I think it's hard to compare. It's kind of an apples to oranges type, type thing. But, my, you know, my, the, the big variable here is what the conference has put into law because individual conferences are, are allowed to put in more restrictive legislation. Like, uh, you know, if the ACC votes to not allow players to transfer in conference because – all of the coaching staffs, you know, administrators think that's mutually beneficial. Well, you know, that overrides the NCAA rule. Um, I think this is still going to, to you know, decrease, uh, you know, the um, amount of blocks. But, you know, until we see it, I'm not really sure. You know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe conferences do agree to do that and do agree to say, hey, you know, we're not going to let anyone transfer to a program that, that plays the team you're leaving within two years. You know, and then it's like, uh, are you accomplishing anything? Because that's pretty much what the situation is now. If you remember, Syracuse had two guys blocked from coming here in recent years, uh, running back Gus Edwards from Miami and wide receiver Jared Dieter from Bowling Green after, after Dino Babers uh, was hired here. So, you know, are those situations going to be resolved? And, and, you know, it's funny that some of the irony in this is if you, in the, in the NCAA release, the guy who's quoted in there is Miami Athletic Director Blake James. Who's the guy who blocked Gus <laughs> Edwards from coming to Syracuse? Uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just the NCAA. You know, I, I, I'd like to see players be able to transfer freely. I think they, they should have every right to do that. Uh, I think this legislation could help, but it's just going to come down to, you know, what do the conferences um, kind of put into law, and you know who's. You know, it's really all the same people. The NCAA is made up of the administrators who are within their respective conferences. So, uh, you know, whoever the blame is going to potentially lie, it's the same group who's benefiting from this. So that's a... that's going to be really interesting to see kind of what the individual conferences do. Yeah, and of course that won't go into effect officially until next October, so it really only affects the, the next transfer cycle. People who transfer out this year are, are still stuck uh, with the old rules. Uh, Steven, uh, wrapping things up with you here, uh, the, you, you tweeted out last night about a new Syracuse commit, uh, Joe Rondi, and what, what can you tell us about him, a defensive tackle from, uh, from Wayne, New Jersey? Yeah, I just got off the phone with him. Um, really excited. He's really excited to be committed to Syracuse. Um, he's an interesting prospect because he's kind of under, un, I don't know if under the radar is the right word, but, uh, you know, unheralded. You know, this guy was unrated until after he committed to Syracuse. That's, you know, often how this works. 
um, offers from Syracuse, Rutgers, uh, Temple, Kent State, Cincinnati, all kind of coming in pretty recently. He had a very good junior year. Um, he, he hasn't played defensive tackle before. He was a defensive end uh, for Wayne Hills last year. He had about 60 tackles, six for loss, um, 6'4", 265. And I think, I think Syracuse has – has seen him in person enough times to think, hey, you know, we might be able to get in on something here. Uh, they hosted him on two visits in the spring, and, and they were at camp at Monmouth Tuesday. And, uh, you know, they worked with him extensively, multiple co- guys on the coaching staff, one-on-ones, you know, different talks, you know, seeing him on offense, seeing him on defense. Uh, and I think, you know, for them to – my two kind of thoughts are taking a guy this early, and, you know, they've only taken one other guy, uh, it means they like him. You know, I, I think it means they think they've got something they can work with here. Um, you know, obviously he's not a blue chip prospect, but I think they think they're getting in ahead of some other teams. And you know, it's the long summer circuit and, and fall season to survive, especially if he has a big senior year. And he said he's he's fully committed, and you know, all, all that stuff. Um, and, but my my second thought is, um, you know, defensive tackle is such a hard position to recruit uh, for you know, lesser power five schools. Like, there are only so many guys who are physically ready to do that at the college level. Uh, I mean, you think in Syracuse's standout defensive tackle now, Chris Slayton, came in as a defensive end. You know, what does that tell you? It's, it's, it's pretty darn hard to find guys who can do this. So you're willing to maybe take a little bit of risk here and there. or You know, you've you got to try and find ways to, to get guys who can play the three techniques. So, uh, I think Syracuse is excited to have him. Uh, I'm really interested to see how he does playing defensive tackle this fall for Wayne Hills. Um, you know, and, and ultimately I think it's, it's a pretty good get for Syracuse, and he's, he's someone who, who could ultimately pan out. You've know, you got to take, take numbers at that position, and uh, you know, there's, there's reason to be intrigued by him. Yeah, as you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about the, uh, the redshirt rule, that's a position where they've got some guys at the top, but uh, after that, there's not as much there. They don't have as much, much depth at the defensive line position. So if he can come in and help out, I'm sure he would take advantage of that new rule. Sure. I mean, to get a guy some snaps, I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think Chris Layton is the best player on this team. Like, I, think, I think Chris Layton is really, really good. He's got a, you know, if, if this year goes well for him, he could be a day two pick in the draft. And then you got a couple guys who you can certainly rely on. McKinley Williams has proven he can start, uh, you know, next to Chris. And um, I think Josh Black's got a lot of potential there. He's he's just you know he just got healthy and he's moving in from end. Got Ken Ruff, but it's it's behind you know those two starters. It's still kind of somewhat unproven. I I think Josh Black will be good. But yeah, getting getting those young guys reps. I mean, if if a guy like Joe Rondi can come in at the end of the year, you know, after working hard, you know. On, on scout team all year or whatever, and he can get a couple games worth of snaps, and you have that film going to the offseason, you say, hey, Joe, if we need you to work on this, this, and this, and he can see that, uh, that's, that's big. You know, that changes the way, you know, guys approach, um, you know, training mentally. Uh, I think it gives you a little bit more of a carrot during the season. Um, so, yeah, no doubt. I mean, defensive tackle is a position that, you know, that those guys stand to benefit from this rule as much as anyone. Steven, thanks so much for the time, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. I know media days are around the corner, and soon enough we'll be, uh, we'll be down at uh, the practice facility and, and covering the team down in August. Can't wait. Thanks again to Stephen Bailey, Syracuse.com, the Post Standard. You know him by now. You know where to find him as well, at Stephen underscore Bailey 1 
on Twitter. And, of course, in the pages of the Syracuse Post Standard and Syracuse.com. Great stuff, as always, on SU Football. Before I, I let you go, I've got an idea for a segment. I'm thinking it'll work on Thursdays. And uh, we'll do kind of a, a throwback Thursday movie review where I'll catch up on old movies that I have not seen and and we'll throw it at the end of the podcast. So I need some help. I need some some reviewable movies, some some movies that I should sit down and watch. The list is very long. If you look back on our ESPN Syracuse website, you'll find the spoiler alert podcast that I did uh, with Sal Manin, what, a year or a year and a half ago. So you'll find some of those. And that's the kind of movie that we're looking for. I, I've seen one of the Star Wars movies, only the original. I've seen only the original Rocky. Uh, I've not seen The Godfather. I've not seen any Indiana Jones movies. So, yeah, let me know what to watch, and we'll look into it. We'll, we'll start reviewing some of these on this podcast, and, and maybe we'll make that a regular Thursday feature. But I need some help in what movies to, to add to my list. That does it for us today on the podcast. Thanks to Stephen Bailey. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of a show to be named later. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll have a name by then.